Welcome to Food Love, the space between terroir and the Tao of food. From time to time, I do a monologue on our podcast, and today's monologue focuses on a response to some of the anti-Asian violence that has hit our country and is an attempt to help uh, with a little bit of cultural understanding around both cooking, um, that sense of kinship and family that I experience with people of other different traditions than my own and heritages different than my own, and also with some things that concern me around the food industry, uh, things that are imbalanced at this point in time, which I'll speak to at the end of reading this spoken word piece that I've written. And if you have any comments or want to share anything of your own experience, please definitely write in to foodlovedow at gmail.com. I'm happy to read your comments, read your writing, anything, and would love to share um, more on these kinds of topics in the podcast. Nothing wasted. When I think of Chinese cookery, I picture the economy of a scallion the high yield of the purest white and pale green parts, stir-fried. Bias cut, dark green tops, all thin to garnish soy and vinegar sauce. Add garlic, almost always add garlic. Left behind are the small grassy roots, just as slender, compost for the earth. Returning is the motion of the Tao. To me, Chinese cookery means nothing wasted, everything and everyone valued, round the kitchen, watching matriarchs and masters cook, round the table, eating, laughing. Chicken dinner's not yet truly done until the cartilage is not. Still to come, roast the bones until dark when the marrow runs dry. Like the blood of my elder, 84-year-old Mr. Vika tackled to his death on a regular morning walk in misty Northern California. Make soup with the bones, says my mother's voice inside my head. Nothing wasted. In the oven, the carcass sits while I am empty, like the hollow of its chest cavity. Our ribs heave silent sighs, browned. How do we make soup with these dead bones? Even chicken feet are more valued, not thrown away, but frozen together with others, then unthawed, transformed to stock or even better, authentic healing bone broth. Nothing wasted. But here, today, not one Chinaman is valued. A ripped shirt reveals this military patriot's scars, important to him, alone. All the same now, fathers and grandfathers already built your railroads, ushered in the American manifest destiny at a discount. All discarded, denied their blistered American citizenry daily because of the slant of their eyes. In wartime, camps opened, holding a mirror to overseas horror, one step shy of the enemy, 
justifying citizens held captive by their own government. Why not weep for a sinless Sisyphus who eternally slides back down the hill of betrayal and loss? You're taking too many bones. You're making too many bones. I can't breathe became we can't breathe a long time ago. No words wasted for a man, woman, or child from Japan until the too late apology. Korematsu's justice came 44 years, a lifetime too late. His personal diaspora drove him eastward. But thank Dao that Korematsu spoke his words. You can scarcely appreciate the economy of a scallion until your bones are cracked or hollowed out from what you see and feel. Returning is the motion of the Dao. Tie the horses to the post. Nothing wasted, but maybe our breath. In the show notes, I'll, well, which are really the podcast blog notes, I'll provide some hyperlinks to some things that you can read about to understand some of the references in the spoken word poem. Returning is the motion of the Tao is a common saying um, that really comes out of the Tao Te Ching. One of the more significant, maybe even sacred texts um, of the study of Taoism. And I call it into this spoken word piece because there is a hope in me that we will cycle through some of the things that we have been experiencing lately. And here I use the metaphor of food to talk about some of this, you know, some of this information. I would say that my hope is that we have definitely seen this kind of anti-Asian violence in the past. um, And we have recovered in some ways from some of it. And we're seeing it again. And we're responding differently and in a more uh, collaborative, consolidated way, cohesive way, so that we may cycle through differently and find a, a better, more natural rhythm. The reference to the citizens held captive by their government is really a reference to Japanese internment that's happened and in the Pacific Northwest region, not in not too faraway cities, uh, there were families that were just uprooted, taken from their farms, from their homes, and put into camps. Um, And at the time, you know, we were casting stones and talking about the Nazis and their concentration camps without the realization that what was happening in our country was just shades away uh, from, from the kind of thinking that led to those concentration camps. The ripped shirt reference uh, relates to an official who is Asian American and who had to lift his shirt to show his scars from military service during an Ohio township meeting to talk about his service to this country. His name was Lee Wong. And, you know, it really struck me that 
that that's not the way we need to be treating our veterans, that they have have all rights to be respected and to have dignity and that people really need to see people as American, that we have to put aside whatever bias we might have in what American looks like today, that we have to focus more on the melting pot part of the American identity than anything else, despite what we've been taught by different administrations and by some of the language around the pandemic. The sinless Sisyphus um, relates to the idea of constantly rolling up the hill uh, with this battle of seeking acceptance as American, uh, even if one is born here, when people look at you differently simply because of your facial features or the color of your skin. And in particular, when I think about some of the attacks that have happened, you know, there's a sentiment among Asians, well, you know, this person's being attacked for being Chinese, but in fact, this person's Vietnamese. It doesn't make it any better. You know, there's a lot of confusion for people and people are focused on how to categorize people differently. And what the focus might be that would help us more is how do we see each other for the beauty and richness of the heritage that we embrace? And how do we help each other lay less blame altogether, especially with respect to the pandemic? And Korematsu was specifically um, the, the person who brought the litigation against the United States regarding the Japanese internment. And you can read about Korematsu and how long that battle took. Tie the horses to the post is an expression of meditation teachers to remind students to quiet the mind. And it is often followed with reminders about regulating one's breath in meditation. So the poem in actuality is a reminder through walking through the simple things of culture and heritage and food to remember to regulate the body, mind, spirit, and breath so that you can absorb and handle some of the things that we're seeing in our country and to get grounded that sometimes it feels like we're wasting our breath to talk about these things, but sometimes the breath is all you need. So when I'm in the poem uh, talking about the, the bones, there's also a re- realistic um, piece of information that I'm alluding to here. And that is the, the, the widespread use of bones today in our country to make bone broth. And the thing I want to point out is that so many of the makers of the bone broth are are doing it to make money and to, you know, offer something that's healthier than other liquids to drink. But in the culinary industry, if you've been watching the pricing on cases of bones that we would normally use to make stock, and in particular, one of my favorite things, demi-gloss, 
the price has skyrocketed and some some people have have reported that pricing is going from $3 a case to like $50 a case. It makes it really difficult to make demigloss at that point. So what ends up happening? Then there's a whole nother circuit that runs to, to make demigloss in a paste form out of the powdered bones that get processed. And it takes us away from more traditional methods of making demigloss, which would give us the time to you know, roast the bones and then make our stock and then make our demigloss from that. And it's an unintended consequence that the grocery store retailers of bone broth are destroying one of the sauces in at least French cuisine that really pushes all the buttons of taste and flavor. So I'm putting this out there. Maybe nobody cares about it. I'd be curious to know how many people actually care about it who who are missing seeing demigloss on menus and how many people feel duped because as someone who has um, studied uh, both Chinese cookery and uh, the studied with my teacher on medicinal ways of eating foods, offering a bone broth that's processed as highly as it is on the grocery stores and selling it in a way that makes people think it's traditional bone broth instead of calling it keto broth or something else feels a little bit like co-opting a whole tradition that is deeply rooted in um, traditional medicine, traditional Chinese medicine. So if you're an acupuncturist, you know what I'm talking about. Maybe even if you're a naturopath, you might know what I'm talking about. But this, this way of putting things out there without acknowledging the traditions from which the idea comes from, in my mind, is problematic. There are other traditions uh, steeped in the making of bone broth, but bone broth is actually prescribed um, by acupuncturists and one makes it in the home over the stovetop taking real bones, right? That the idea of having chi in the food the more direct access to the energy and vitality, um, the nutrient absorption happens from making it from scratch as opposed to getting something that's been dehydrated, reprocessed, resynthesized, and then amalgamated to create a portable product. I have, you know, reached out by email to a few of these manufacturers of bone broth and I've noticed that so many of them are people who don't acknowledge the traditions coming from China around the making of bone broth. For whatever reason, some acknowledge brodo, um, which is, you know, broth making in the Italian tradition. And that that makes sense to me, but I'm not seeing people call it brodo in the marketplace. They're calling it bone broth, which is really, has had a specific meaning for some period of time. And now I think is almost devoid of meaning on the grocery store shelves. It's an interesting thing to see how we evolve as a culture and what kind of health we think we're getting from food. My hope is that you read the ingredients on each of these boxes or packets of bone broth that you might be buying uh, because some of them have sugar in the ingredients and that is not traditional. And when you see sugar there, it's, it's telling you that somebody hasn't taken the time to cultivate the right flavors in there and is masking something. 
in the product. There are some broths that are out there that don't have that. And then you want to watch out for some of the hydrolyzed um, soy proteins that they're putting in there. Things that are not natural to the making of bone broth traditionally. Um, so that you're just aware as a consumer of what, what you're buying, what you're really getting. And then if you really want to learn how to make bone broth in the traditional manner, there are many ingredients that are not included on the back of any of these boxes that relate to medicinal herbs that increase the potency of the broth you would be drinking if you were working with an acupuncturist or someone like that. And these are ancient practices that, you know, really go back to keeping the health of the emperor of China. So um, back then the cooks, you know, were responsible for the health of the emperor. And there are things that get lost in translation. And there are people who learn a little bit of something. And I would say some of these makers of bone broth are like that, who learn a little bit of something from someone and want to market it. And you'll notice that there are, I, I don't, I haven't yet found a single Chinese acupuncturist who's gone and done this because there's a knowledge uh, around how the whole system works um, and how your food can be the system that helps you attain health and longevity. And these bone broth makers today are looking at it in isolation like a silver bullet, um, like bone broth can save your life somehow. And I would say that in the the making of it, they've bastardized a lot of what the tradition has been and then also just co-opted culture in the process. So I guess that's sort of my <laughs> Ralph Nader-esque um, warning to the public about bone broth. Um, when we look at the 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 stats around how much bone broth is out there, um, we're, we're really seeing just an increase in the marketplace of how much is getting sold. And the broth market itself, I think is at 2.5 billion and it's estimated to grow over 3.5% between 2020 and 2026. And that's just a, a fact that you can find on, on the internet. And when we think about that, you as a consumer have to make choices. Like, are you going to keep buying bone broth? Are you really going? And if you're a chef, don't buy bone broth because you want to bring those prices back down so that you can make your demi-gloss or other things that require the richness and the collagen involved in making your own stock at home. We shouldn't settle for less than, and we shouldn't be duped by the snake oil sellers of bone broth in the grocery stores. I'm okay if you call it stock, right? Because that's what it is. It uh, doesn't have the ingredients that would make it what bone broth used to mean. And we started seeing this happen as early as 2016, but it's actually gotten so out of hand. And I don't think that the leaders of these companies have done enough to acknowledge where these traditions are coming from and at least identify the multiple um, traditions from which it might come from, as opposed to pretending like they designed it themselves or it occurred to them. But 
Anyway, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Um, please write in at foodlovedow at gmail.com. And um, I'll see if I can bring in some scientists who can talk more about bone broth on a later episode. Thank you for listening. This is Food Love, the space between terroir and the Tao of food. 